What up everyone, this is the Twice Over Film Club and I'm your host Faraz. Today we're discussing Nightcrawler with myself, Farhan and Yusuf. If you haven't seen this film yet, check out our spoiler free preview episode from last week and as of this recording the film is still streaming on Netflix in the US. If you're new to our podcast, check out thetwiceover.com where you can see how we scored all of the films that we've watched and discussed as well as see your tally for each movie according to your preferences. Recent films we've discussed include the Russian film Elena from 2014, Whiplash, Interstellar, The Father, Promising Young Woman, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Also, follow us at The Twice Over on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd to keep up with our watch list. Alright, here's our discussion. Hey, I'm gonna bring it up, don't worry. Okay. <laughs> yeah, crime is, is creeping into the, the rich suburbs. Yeah. Guys, so, I mean... <laughs> wow, right, what a way... I, I didn't even think about that, guys. What a, what a way to... <laughs> tie into this discussion huh hey you like yeah it? so we got jake gyllenhaal right he's playing a character lewis bloom uh, i guess he's a small time thief he's just trying to make ends meet this is during the recession right so like i don't know 2008 ish maybe a little later it came out in 2014 but i assume it takes place a few years before that only because of the economic conditions that they show but yeah so he's trying to make ends meet he is like a small time thief looks like he steals like scrap metal from where he can find it and sells it um he is a go-getter he's a hustler he's trying to get like a legitimate job um and he's very determined and persistent in doing so and he's also super awkward you guys want to talk about that a little bit i think yusuf was kind of touching on it in the i mean i I, you know just from the get-go right you like you said he's a go-getter i mean that's like i would put that in in strong quotation marks like he's he's a a motivated individual. Yeah. I mean, you, we see him try to talk his way into several jobs, but there's definitely just something off about him, right? He, he's he's willing to go pretty far to succeed and or survive, right? I mean, let's just say it that way. Oh yeah, I mean, he has no, um, I guess he he has no boundaries in terms of what will come in his way. I mean, he's a sociopath. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that's that's a summary the, way. Just to put like it, right? clinically, he's a sociopath. You know, there's he's just devoid of empathy. Um, you know, like f- that kind of feeling. Not devoid of feeling, devoid of empathy. Literally, yeah. He stops at, will stop at literally nothing. Doesn't matter who's in his way. He's going to, um, he's going to try to get what he wants. So, I mean, I think I think this is a really interesting insight into mental illness. Have we talked? We talked about mental illness and other stuff, right? Before, yeah, yeah. we have. I mean, it, not in this light, of course, right? Yeah. But, like, let's go silver linings playbook, right? We definitely. Talk oh yeah, about, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah. <laughs> this is a little bit of a darker look on on how. Well, this is kind of like can be. This, this is uh, what would you call it, man? It makes light of the fact. It makes light of the whole situation. It's like satire. Yeah. You know. Yeah. This movie. I think so. Yeah. In, in a way, you don't yeah. think so. I mean, I guess I see what you're saying, but uh, it's not presented as a satire, but it is, I guess, sat, sat, satirizing the the life of a sociopath in a way. But like Yusuf said, it's pretty dark. Yeah, it's very dark. It's dark, yeah. dark satire. I, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not in your face, but I, I think technically you would have to, I think you would have to call it that. I think that, yeah, there's there's definitely some satirical elements there, if if nothing else, right? Yeah. Should we Should we rattle through the plot? Before we uh, get into the discussion, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, like so. I, I was saying he's basically trying to meet, make ends meet. He comes across early in the movie 
uh, a car crash that happened on a, on the highway in Los Angeles. And um, there's the California Highway Patrol trying to save someone that is in the car and the car is uh, on fire or at least the engine is. And he, while he's like watching, he sees this van pull up and these two guys come out with a camera and they're recording the the scene. They're recording what's happening. Um, and he's just from the scene, his attention shifts towards them. And he's just wondering, what are these guys doing? Finds out that these guys record or they basically have police scanners in their car uh, whenever they hear that something's about to go down or something's happening. They drive to the scene, they record it, and then they sell that footage to local news media. And that's how they get paid. And Lewis Bloom, someone who is totally emotionally disconnected from like the situation, like what's happening, thinks like, hey, this is the perfect way for him to hustle and to make some money. Uh, yeah, I mean, so we just we watch him essentially start trying to do this himself, right? Trying to be a stringer. He he sells a bike that he stole uh, to buy a, a camera, and he he just starts running around trying to trying to film uh, accidents or robberies or whatever he can he can catch on a police scanner. At first, unsuccessfully, but you know, eventually hitting it off. He um, he hires uh, an intern, Rick, um, played by Riz Ahmed, to help out, um, mostly just to to navigate and and hold his stuff, I guess. But uh, and he also develops a working relationship with a new station producer Nina who's played by Rene Rousseau yeah. who loves his footage uh, but but Lou is continually kind of pushing boundaries with her to advance his position in the field uh, like with the station but also with her sexually um, he eventually gets borderline illegal footage we can say from inside a home invasion slash homicide um, and gives it to Nina who's who's desperate for this kind of footage, right? She wants the scary news that will draw in viewers um, and, and, you know, basically perpetuate fear, but it's going to drive up her ratings. Um, In that footage, he also hides the fact that he, he, he caught glimpses of um, the, the identity of the suspects, right? Uh, He kind of keeps that in his back pocket. Um, And later, you know, once things cool down, eventually tracks down the suspects, waits until they're in a public location and then reports them so he can, you know, catch footage of a dangerous shootout with the police. And so this, you know, in in that climax, he, he, you know, there's essentially a a car chase um, and, and he purposely puts uh, his intern Rick in danger in order to get rid of him because he was essentially getting too too uppity, asking for too much money and the like. Um, He lies to him and says losing his leverage to him. Losing his leverage, yeah, that's that's yeah. <laughs> that's the the terminology that Lou would use, right? Um, he he lies to Rick and tells him the suspect is dead in order to put him right in front of of the suspect uh, who who shoots him several times. He, you know, Lou stands there just collecting the footage of of Rick's corpse, and, and yeah, eventually, you know, the police arrest Lou based on the the footage that he collected, on you know, under suspicion that he 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 kind of planned that shootout but as usual he talks his way right out of it and they they have no evidence so they let him go yeah and the movie ends with him having a successful business one thing we miss in there he takes out his competition by cutting the brake lines or something similar uh, yeah, was his clear. competition's van yeah 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 i was gonna so i was gonna talk about that um well, let's just get into it yeah i i actually i actually didn't catch how that exactly might have happened. But, um, you know, going back to kind of his his trajectory upwards, um, th- there is kind of a snapping point where, where Nina tells him, like, she needs some footage. And, you know, the next thing that happens is there's a scene where where they're, they're driving towards what they know is a car accident. And Rick is like, 
why are, why are we going there? Um, you know, why, why are we going to a car accident when we just heard on the scanner that there's a rape in, in the park? Everyone's going there. Um, and, and Lou doesn't really give him a reason. Uh, but when we get there, we find out that it's the other Stringer's van, right? Joe Loader uh, from Mayhem News or whatever. Um, yeah. It's his van that crashed into a pole. I was going to ask, is there some sort of implication that he was behind it? You're suggesting that there was? Of course. Oh, yeah, 100% I mean, there was. Yeah. The... I, I guess I missed something. He was uh, working on his van underneath. The, the yeah, van. he was under the van. Um, we don't know. I mean, the reason I say it's not just as easy as cutting a brake line is because he would have noticed his brake line is cut the second he got out of his Exactly, driveway. yeah. Uh, so it was probably something else, but whatever it was, uh, maybe he drained the steering fluid. I don't know. He did something. Um, but you don't remember that scene, Yusuf? He, he's under the van. Uh, it's daytime. And then he, he just basically walks away, goes to his car. This also happens right after Joe actually offers... The helicopter one. It's after the helicopter scene. So Joe offers... So are we, are we going at every single plot point here? But uh, <laughs> No, but Joe, the helicopter scene? So Joe offers Lou a job. Lou says, no, I'm good. I like working for myself. You're my competition. Yeah. I'm going to take you out anyways. Basically, that's what he means to say. Well, I wasn't say that. I, I, I interpreted that as... Lou just wants to be himself, like go-getter, hustler. Sure, okay, yeah, maybe, maybe that's what it but, was. But um, what annoys him is that Joe, because, yeah, they have that one yeah crash, the helicopter one, and he sees that Joe both made it to the helicopter crash before him and got everything, and his other van went to the other, you know, incident and got recording of that as well. So they, they got both things, and it's basically exactly what Joe was telling Lou, like, hey, this is what we can do. It's not that we're uh, splitting the work. It's that we're doubling the the sales that we're going to have. And um, I think that's what triggers it in Lou. And he's like, I got to do something about him because he has a clear advantage on me now. And yeah. um, that's when he go- goes on to the van and cuts the brakes or does something. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, I think I just I just missed that shot of him um, underneath the the van. But I I, I was kind of piecing it together. And I I was like, I was like, are they implying this? Or is there something solid there? Clearly, there was, you know, kind of a solid shot where you where you see him doing it. Uh, Because it's also right after, um, you know, we can talk more about his relationship with Nina, but she essentially yells at him in the in the station and and says that, like, you know, I want what you promised me, right? Yeah, Um, it's that night, right, that he doesn't get any footage. Yeah. Um, like he's late to everything and Nina's just like, this is what you got from me. Like, this is it. And she, yeah, she basically scolds him and says that this is not why we hired you. And Rick, Rick kind of knows in that moment too. Right. Cause he keeps asking, he's like, they just, you're, t- you're telling me they just ran straight into a pole. And he was like, yeah, they were probably, you know, in a rush to get over to, you know, the, the other, uh, the other accident or whatever. And he, yeah. you know, he, he just kind of brushes it off. But, you know, I think Rick is obviously, suspecting slowly that he's you know a little bit off his rocker <laughs> um as he yeah you know, i was wondering that about. if rick is figuring it out at all yeah um, yeah, yeah maybe not is. then but towards the end i think yeah we kind of get the idea that rick kind of understands that the way lou works and the the uh, lines that he'll cross i think everyone figures figures it out like around that time i think he figures it out but he never really says anything and he's like it's not concrete but because yeah. he says like this is our that's our colleague like don't yeah, he says, "Don't like, record no, him." Just, you know, you're professional. I think we yeah, get a I shot mean, of his face, and we see Nina. Nina, that's her name. Yeah, yeah. Like when he had blood on her shirt, she—you could see her being like, oh, "This is yeah, shady." Yeah, yeah. Um, 
you know. And, and yeah, I mean, Rick even he he eventually comes clean about. I mean, not comes clean. He, I mean, he he calls out Lou for it, right? But the way he calls him out is by asking for more money. So uh, there, there's part of him that was just taking advantage of that more than running from the situation, right? And that's what eventually does get him killed um, is, you know, making the ask for, you know, half the money they're going to make that night or whatever. Oh, man. The poor guy's making 30 bucks a night, man. He he moved up to, he's like 75 at night. (laughs) Oh, my God. I loved loved that that scene just because of the way that Riz is like, he's like mumbling 100, 100, 75. Like, (laughs) he talks himself down. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Poor guy, man. I felt so bad for him. Oh, man. Yeah, so that's more or less the plot. We went through it. I think we all like the narrative quite a bit, right? 85, 80, and 80 um, is definitely an above-average uh, story. I think the story is very engaging. I- I'm not giving much credit to the direction here in general. I thought the story on its own like carried it. Plus, really? we'll talk about it a little more is the acting. I mean... I think the direction is what carried it and not the story. I think it's the reverse. I think if you... Really? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they made this thing super suspenseful. He's doing a bunch of different things, but... Um, but this is a pretty simple story. Simple for story. A story about a sociopath, you can say. Right. right? I mean, right. a decent amount happens, but yeah. like when you think about the, the degree, the gravity of the things that you normally see in like... A, just to throw out some some examples like American Psycho or or Joker, right? Just these yeah. like these lone sociopathic characters. N- not a lot happens in this movie, but but yeah, the pacing was just really good. I felt like the the suspense built perfectly, um, and and you really did feel like a lot more was happening, you know, or you just felt the the gravity of everything more. Yeah, actually, I will say I did note that like that car chase at the end when they're chasing the uh, the SUV. With the two suspects, or we know they're not suspects; they're actual the actual murderers. Um, that was a very well shot chase scene, mm-hmm. and it was super like tense and high paced, and it was just it was just fun to watch like, for those scenes. But I don't know; I guess I didn't notice much in terms of pacing. Otherwise, um, there was some tension, but I, I not I I chalked that up to like Jake Gyllenhaal's like just acting. He's He's building that tension through his expressions and stuff and his and his demeanor. Not so much from like, I guess I guess there is credit, obviously, to the direction there, like in terms of the shots that are being used and all that. So I would I would have to watch this movie again to give more concrete examples. But the first I don't know, maybe first half of the movie, I'm just going to say that. I don't know if that's true. The music was different when he was at a scene, you know, filming when he arrived to the crime scene and he'd be um, filming. It was like jovial. <laughs> even though yeah. he was doing he was filming something very dark or he was doing something very dark you know mm-hmm. it would be like kind of like it would be like jovial music and then i don't remember where but somewhere the music started to change and be a lot more maybe it was the scene where he came upon the um that murder the triple homicide yeah maybe it was that scene and the music changed and it wasn't it wasn't like a playful kind of tone it was what you would expect in a scene like that. Farhan, it's funny you say playful because I, I know exactly what you're saying. That first half or first third or whatever it was, um, it felt like it was music straight out of Midnight Club. <laughs> the video <laughs> game. Like it's it's for like, you know, high octane racing and stuff. Yeah. Like that's what it felt like. It it didn't really fit the darkness of what we were watching. Right. Really. Right. And then it does change towards the end where 
it, it kind of matches really what what we're seeing, which is um, right. Way more tense, way more suspenseful. Yeah. And there's also a lot of there's a go ahead. I'll just say, especially in that, uh, especially in the car chase, and especially in when he arrives at the triple homicide scene. But yeah, what were you gonna say, Yusuf? There's there's a lot of moments from the from the opening shot. I mean, it's it's not even like high octane music. It's like inspirational. Music, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's like uplifting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and and then it disappears for a while. You're right, but they do bring it back in like the 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 latter moments of the movie. I mean, there there's something to be said there for what Dan Gilroy is trying to do with your with your you know your perception of this guy mm-hmm. um because you just you, you know kind of like the 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 horrors that he's committing but like it, he's almost framing it and it's like like look, look he's you know he's he, he can accomplish anything his mind is put to like it's almost like that in a sense mm-hmm. um I, I thought that was there is like a satirical nature to that i think right. the way that yeah. he decides to present it um so yeah and, and so part of why I, I scored them high on aesthetics was for those choices right. as well right um because just those those musical choices it, it was so off that you knew it had to be on purpose. Um, it's not even like where you could be like, oh, this just doesn't work, you know? But if you think about who the, his character is, that music plays so well with, with the way that the music, the juxtaposition with the music and what's going on, the way that that makes you feel, that's how he makes you feel. It, it's how he yeah, would yeah. portray himself, right? That's how he'd it's portray how himself. Would, yeah. The music fits like Lewis Bloom specifically. Yeah, exactly. So at point it points it if right it points it if if it's him and his perception of what he is doing, and then at points it's it's pulling the curtain back and being like this is really what he's this is really what's going on. Yeah, and that would make sense because right when Nina scolds him that he's not getting enough done, you could say that's when the music changes, Farn, because mm. then we're feeling. What Lou is feeling, which is like, all right, I, like my back's kind of against tense. the wall. Yeah, I, yeah it's, it's more tense. I have to do something. Um, mm. Maybe that's the moment where we saw like the music kind of the tone of a change. Maybe. Yeah, like I said, I know, I'd have to watch it again to see exactly where. But um, just the way the fact that they were able to achieve that and yeah, which is why, you know, you mentioned um, I, I think he's a, maybe did you mention that he was like a villain character in this movie? I don't know if he is. I think he's a protagonist. It's it's so hard. It, you right? can, you can almost you can almost watch the whole movie through in either frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean that it's it's a fair point because part part of this entire story is just about like you know putting your mind to something and being a you know being a Lou Bloom like an enterprising individual, right? Um, and so you know like it's the, the the choices that they make are clearly trying to push you in that direction uh, without a doubt. So you, you can totally argue he's he's the protagonist. Um, part of what helps that also, and I think this is a direct a directorial choice. Um, I mean, it's probably in the writing as well, right? Uh, but we don't get any background on him, right? And and I do kind of love movies like this where they just drop you yeah. into a character like that. Um, so like you just have to guess about like what the hell happened to him to make him this way. Um, it, this is something actually the guys on um, the Film Spotting podcast talk about a lot. Just the idea of just cutting out all of that kind of that urge to give background information on a, on a character like this. Mm-hmm. J- just just cut it out and do without it. And it's just like let people figure it out and, and catch up to the character. Right. Um, I, I do think that really helps kind of because you're, you're just you're constantly trying to understand this guy. And if you know his backstory and what his motivations are, it ruins that experience for you. Um, so I thought that was a really good choice. Hundred percent. I love how you said that because um, 
so like you you see this in you know this is why i um i had a period where i was just obsessed with like short films um and i've always been obsessed with short fiction because you have to be way more skillful in your delivery to be able to provide all the background that you would get you know from those a typical movie where it starts you know, this is him as a kid. Okay, now he's a teenager, or now he's this is this is how he ends up being to this, or whatever it is, right? Um, you think about like a typical like origin story sort of stuff. To be able to pull off depth in a character without explaining anything, whether it be in film or whether it be in fiction, that is so much harder to do. So much harder to do because yeah. the character has the the acting has to speak for the background as well as the writing as well as you know even the direction the tone that the character speaks in the tone that the character is even the lighting in this movie you know mm-hmm. um the way that the character is illuminated the way that they walk um the way that they the way that they smile what the things that they smile at um the reactions to uh people walking you know people walking next to them like the smallest things the way that people react to those things you can get a glimpse and the possibilities are endless but we all kind of can see you know one of 15 ways that his life must have been growing up right and it's all there's a common denominator right even if you don't know the specifics so i love that i i really love when movies don't sit there and okay now let's 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 give the background on this character let's really tell them why he became you know the way he became they were normal at one time and now then there was this event and their parents died and now they're sad no dude just they're, hey, let's leave it on bruce wayne i don't understand what your problem is. <laughs> i wasn't even i wasn't even really thinking about that but yeah i kind of was but just um you know the point is that he is obviously he's mentally ill and he's a sociopath. <laughs> and that's all we need to know. Well, tell me this. So both of you guys appreciated the writing a lot more than me, as did, seems like, the Academy. Um, <laughs> what was what was so incredible about it? Because I didn't, I didn't catch much. If anything, I was left wanting more in terms of conversation than we got, rather than just like a business school PowerPoint that we just heard Lou just <laughs> saying over and over again. That is... Uh... I feel like that's a little bit of an unfair it way is. to, to, to <laughs> evaluate is, for that sure dialogue. <laughs> um, I mean, I I was, Fraz, we have the same guidelines for these categories. I was never taken out of, I was never taken out of the movie because of the writing. Sure, that would just put it at a seventy for me. Really? See, like, no, for me, for me, that's that's an so that's like average an eighty movie for you. You're used. Okay, sure. Go ahead. Average movies take me out because of the writing. Hundred okay, percent. Okay. Uh, that t- that already brings me to like an 80, 85 or something. But and, and that there's a lot that goes into that. But the dialogue was appropriate for each character, and it was executed. And it was executed. I I love Riz Ahmed's delivery of the dialogue that he was given. Yeah, I the you very know. little dialogue, but he yeah he delivered it well. Yeah, but, I mean the scenes that he was in he, that he uh, I mean they weren't. Um, it wasn't little dialogue. Like when he's negotiating his salary, man, that is beautiful writing that is really that is beautiful writing i mean it, it's beautiful writing but it's i think amplified by the acting for I sure it's really hard in this movie to draw the line it is right the acting it is and the writing exactly. i agree uh because there's so much of it i was like 
like where is this coming from you know like i i want to see what the actual line on the script was to yeah. see who you know whether the actor kind of took it to the next level or not so that is that is a fair point but i do think a lot of you know particularly jake Hall's lines were just they were written so perfectly yeah. and you, you you said it's like like a business presentation or something right <laughs> but that's the thing like all of his lines are are written like like someone who's in it in an you know an infomercial right, right. um it's 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 yeah, the infomercial, rehearsed and like regurgitated that. right in like this artificial tone right the way that jake plays it out right so that part is perfect but the genius thing about it was that it is chock full of cliches and yeah. yet like it's it just it turns all the cliches on their heads because the way that he delivers it it's so so fake mm-hmm. and that is the point <laughs> I, I don't know i just thought that was so clever because everything he says comes out of some sort of commercial or self-help book or something you know what i mean <laughs> but at the same time like it's just telling you what a fraud he is i just i thought that was so good yeah so i see like put that in, into my theme score thinking like that's what they're going for yeah um, for sure and in terms of writing and acting, like you said, I guess you guys just saw a better balance than I did. I just, I thought the acting was carrying it. So, I mean, mm. I'm I'm in line with you guys with acting. But, yeah. um, I mean, I'm not going to obviously change my score, but I can see where you guys are coming from. It's <laughs> I, really the, it's about the balance, right? It's just, right. who, where do you draw the line in terms of what was the actor in their delivery mm-hmm. versus what was the writing and what they were asked to do? There was just there was just like I mean like I don't, I don't even want to say like a favorite moment because I can't think of one but like just even in the opening scene where he's trying to get the job at the construction site and yeah, the way he like lays out his resume it's just so funny uh, and I, I don't know just he there's a thing he says about like a school of fish and how communication is the number one key <laughs> to success and there's an acronym for fear because it means something I, what like fear you, <laughs> um, is uh, <laughs> Oh, hold on, hold on. Fearing evidence, appe- no, false evidence appearing real. <laughs> yeah. But you, but this, you know what, though? Like, so the interview scene, the very first, one of the first scenes is such a, I think that's really, that tells a lot about his character because this is his, he, you get, and you can see how enthusiastic and how optimistic he is about the lines that he's delivering, he's like, I got them. Like, this is what they want to hear. And, you know, he's, he thinks that this is what is going to get you success because that's what Tony Robbins is telling him or whoever, you know what I mean? Like the self-help stuff that you're talking about. And um, at some point in the movie, he realizes I just have to, I, I have to not abandon that stuff, but kind of make my own, make my own way. I'm not going to start from the bottom and do all this crap, right? Yeah. I don't yeah. know where that happened. I don't know where that switch happened, but I think it was just it was just a brilliant insight into the way that his mind thinks. Like this is he's optimistic about um where success will come from at one point in the movie. And then in the end he's just more I don't know what would you call it? Yeah, direct, ruthless, yeah. I guess, right? Something like that. There's there is a moment that I can think of where um, I think it's it's right when he he gets the footage from the home invasion and he kind of ha- he knows he has Nina right? right she needs the footage and he can make pretty much any offer uh, or he can a- make any ask that he wants right um, he gives this monologue for us you should just go pull the the clip of of Jake on that it's like around the one hour ten minute mark but he's he's he he's he's saying like we have 
Video Production News. That's the name of my company. I need. That's how I need. Oh, yeah. He said I need credit on air. They need to say Video Production News. Yeah. Uh, a, a news gathering service, and then, like <laughs> he just says Video Production News so many times, yeah. and then like he's like, I want to go around. I want to meet your staff. I want to develop my relationships with these people, and uh, and that's not all. It's just it that it was just gold. I don't I don't know. Like, yeah, it was great. Fifteen. <laughs> I can't spend a month's budget on a single story. What if the story's not over? The people who did this escaped. They're still out there, walking around with the rest of us. If I had a family and I lived in a home, that might make me nervous. I'd want updates on what was going on. With this footage, people would turn to your channel for the story. Now, I like you, Nina, and I look forward to our time together, but you have to understand, 15,000 isn't all that I want. From here on, starting now, I want my work to be credited by the anchors and on a burn. The name of my company is Video Production News, a professional news gathering service. That's how it should be read and that's how it should be said. I also want to go to the next rung and meet your team and the station manager and the director and the anchors and start developing my own personal relationships. I'd like to start meeting them this morning. You'll take me around, you'll introduce me as the owner and president of Video Production News and remind them of some of my many other stories. I'm not done. I also want to stop our discussion over prices. This will save time. So when I say that a particular number is my lowest price, that's my lowest price. And you can be assured that I arrived at whatever that number is very carefully. Now, when I say that I want these things, I mean that I want them. And I don't want to have to ask again. And the last thing that I want, Nina, is for you to do the things that I ask you to do when we're alone together in your apartment. Not like the last time. It was great. I loved, you know what, my favorite scene? No, I don't know, my favorite scene? I loved the new scene. When they're at uh, that, that's really vague. When they're on air, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when they're on air, and um, describing the, Nina's, the and Nina's homicide. like, yeah, okay, we need to hammer this, and the, like, I just thought that that was so. It was a cool insight into, uh, I guess, behind the scenes into like. Oh right, so she's she's cueing she's the, directing. the on-air anchors. She's right? directing yeah. the anchors and right, directing right, yeah. everything. Right, like hammer this. Talk about say these lines again. Say this again. Hammer this. Okay, pull up this clip or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, that was really cool. And, and simultaneously, Lou is standing in the background and he's listening in on them. And, like, I think this is the one moment. In the, uh, we, I want to talk about Jake's acting more still, honestly. But I think that scene is the one moment where Lou smiles and it's a genuine smile uh, because he hears video production news being set on yeah. air and his eyes actually light up. Yeah. Uh, but, like, watching his reactions to the news and how proud he was was another, like, little just, you know, nugget inside that scene. Um, so, yeah, I really did enjoy that scene as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Farin, you asked who the villain is. It's the news media. <laughs> that's the villain. I think that's right. <laughs> Are you saying that seriously or... Somewhat seriously. Yeah. I don't think in this movie they are, but obviously they are <laughs> in real life. <laughs> That's for sure. I don't think that they're they are the villain in this movie. I don't know who well, is because both both Nina and uh, Lou are kind of so. The news media is enabling Lou to do what he does, yes. right, and almost pushing him to cross those lines because they need something as sensational as possible to get eyes. And then Nina is being pushed by the same beast Mm. and she's being pushed because she needs to make sure that ratings are high so that she can keep her job. Mm -hmm. So they both have like the same, the same power uh, that's, that's going against Mm. them. And I don't know. You might be right. Like saying, you might be right. Yeah. 
I'm just saying that they are a villain. Are they the villain? I don't, I don't know. Well, that. I don't think there is a like the villain. You know, like a single one. Yeah, but exactly. You're probably uh, right about movie, that. Maybe there isn't one. I think yeah. it's like you know maybe maybe it's that maybe it's just like the prospect of like you know success at and any costs like that kind of thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, I I think I think that's a perfect point because because Lou is is outwardly the success at any cost guy, right? Yeah. Um. But the point is that like even even you know the established uh, entities, the media, th- they're they're operating the same way, basically. You know, mm-hmm. it may not be as um, as as overt, but but they're doing the same thing. Uh, and so th- they make a very strong point to 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 show that the way the media builds fear and hides the truth for their own benefit, right? I mean, Nina ba- basically buries the fact that oh, this is actually a drug bust. It wasn't just crime creeping into the suburbs, right? Mm-hmm. She buries yeah. that that story because it doesn't it doesn't help the the, the narrative. narrative that she's trying to build. Right. And um, that's just that. She she wants like a week long segment on it, you know, where it's like hammered home every single day, you know, at the noon hour, at night, at the at the morning news. Like she has like an entire plan. It's not like, hey, we're going to tell this news and move on. No, she's going to, you know, repeat it over and over again and withhold, like you said, information that that goes is contrary to the narrative that she's trying to push. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, so I think I, I had that as one of the kind of the themes, um, not specifically mm-hmm. the way the media does it, but the way that the entire system kind of does that. Right. There's there's multiple players and they're they're all kind of operating the same way. So um, and the media obviously being being one of them. I mean, it's just it, it, there, there are so many good scenes where you see very, very kind of subtly, you just see the way that she is constructing the story um, in the newsroom, right? Um, those little moments where they don't really put much emphasis on it, but I thought those were those were good to show that like they're they're building a story. They're not reporting a story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're, they're, yeah, it's not just like telling the facts, right? Even if they had just left it at that, like, hey, a triple homicide happened in this neighborhood, that's not what they leave it at. Like they add some color commentary to, to like you said, to build a story around it. Like, where's my title? Horror House. It needs to be on the front. You know, she yeah. gets really mad <laughs> yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's nuts, man. I mean, the the sad thing is, like, it's it's so real. Like, yeah, it's yeah. So true. Yeah. And that's like the worst thing. And like, they even go through. I think yeah, Lou goes through like you know all these little statistics that he knows about the local news media. How they spend like twenty seconds on like actual stuff and then they spend like 20 minutes on you know crime <laughs> like and like i don't know like 70 percent of the u.s population gets their news from their local news outlets so like he already knows all of this and he's using it to his advantage i guess and yeah he's basically telling nina this right because he's like you need this for your ratings and you need it for your ratings so you can keep your job because you can't last more than two years at any station it's a lot of gamesmanship by him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. About the business school stuff, or I should say the uh, lose self-learning, how he's like learning stuff, what I would assume is from like YouTube videos. I mean, he does a great job researching stuff. on Nina. So, I mean, some, something's <laughs> working. <laughs> I mean, well, like it's, we talked about how he's so emotionally disconnected, lacking empathy. That's really <laughs> what like our business curriculum is. Like it totally lacks empathy. And I felt like that when I was in school and I was like, this can't be like how we're being taught this stuff. Right. But it really is, man. All that stuff. And Yusuf, it's funny that it keeps going back to this, but the worst years of my life was in public accounting is because everyone talked like that, man. <laughs> Not everyone. I'll say, I'll say uh, 40% of the people talk like that, but that's 
way too much still. Like when people are talking like sociopaths, you don't. Uh, <laughs> it's not nice. Yeah, that's just part of the themes in general. That uh, the whole fake. Um, I don't know. Like it's just a fake understanding of how people work and how business works. It's it's very disconnected, like from a human element. And uh, I think this movie nails it on the head with that because yeah. Yeah. he's following the rules like to the T, right? Lou is doing every little thing in terms of communication with Rick. He's doing it. He's doing it very well. He's super open with him in terms of using using leverage when he has it for his business uh, to get the most for his uh, work. He's doing everything perfectly well, but we see how how insane it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I think what you said up up top, just in terms of a, a fake understanding of of you know what people are, what they want, or what they need, like that's just that is what Jake Gyllenhaal did in this movie. Uh, so I mean, like he he just he carried that so well. It was like you know, it's it's just it's like watching somebody who has been watching humans on tv for years and is now trying to be one right um he, to to me it just reminds me of Kawhi leonard dude like <laughs> like and that, that's oh, why that's i said so that bogus. at the, at, oh at the open God, because dude. dude the way that he acts sometimes he's just such a robot but it's like you know he knows what he thinks the right thing to do is and you know he tries to be normal and he ends up coming out as hey, hey, hey. like you know what i mean <laughs> Like it's just in defense of Kawhi Leonard, that's his public persona. We don't know what he's like, you know, with his boys or with his family at home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, but but we don't know what Lou Bloom is like uh, in the privacy. Well, I don't know. <laughs> well, he doesn't have a. He doesn't have any private things. Yeah, as far as we know, we we there's only one scene where we get where he actually opens up. That's the one where he um. He's looking at himself in the mirror, and he, that's the one scene where he actually loses it, right? He like mm-hmm, freaks out mm-hmm. and he breaks the mirror. Um, thought that was a really well shot scene, by the way. But but yeah, what does he what does he say there that um that tells you that he's opening up? No, I just I mean don't... like we actually see him kind of like oh, like having like introspection or something. Yeah, because he, yeah, yeah. Uh, other than that, even though like you know, there's obviously some turmoil inside. He's like holding it in, and he keeps that fake smile on in public, yeah. but. Uh, that's the one moment where he breaks um, the fake smile, dude. I just I loved that throughout. There's just oh my God. you yeah. can feel the fakeness of it, but it's always there. And it, like it just never looks actually genuine. Um, I also noticed he's almost never smiling when he's alone. Um, he turns it on like a switch as soon as there's other people around, um, yeah. which is so yeah. appropriate, you know, and then it drops out as soon as he's alone again. Um, so outside of the one moment where, that we talked about, um, while he's watching, you know, the, the home invasion footage on live news, um, really like there's, it's just, it's like a, it's like a thing that he thinks he's supposed to be doing. I just, I thought that was so good. Agreed. Yeah, man. His acting is just like phenomenal. Yeah. What it, it's, let's talk about Riz a little bit too, cause you guys really liked his performance. Um, and obviously he has less screen time to work with. Well, I mean, like I said, this was my this was my first exposure to him, um, and I remember thinking, like, "Oh, uh, that that kid was really good," especially because of that scene which we've already mentioned a couple times now, where he's negotiating his salary. But even the first interview, mm-hmm. um, and again, Lou is like, "Hey, be like, sell yourself. Tell me what, <laughs> tell me what your experience." And and Rick is, he's trying, but like he's he's already. The way he plays off of Lou is what was like really good mm-hmm. because you can tell he's super uncomfortable by like Lou's presence and the way that Lou is talking. 
Um, and then just the way he delivers his lines is also, I mean, it just fits his character. He's he's a little unsure of himself. He's also unsure of Lou, and he he's scared. I mean, he's definitely somewhat scared of Lou because he probably feels that Lou's unpredictable. But he he conveys all that very well through his acting. Uh, was never a huge fan of the guy, because <laughs> I watched the night of and. You know, I'm one of the people that was very critical of it, and uh, and then the only I I honestly I hated him in it, and then I watched him in uh, one of the Star Wars movies, and I was like, okay, I mean, this is whatever. And then what what else did I see him in? I think there was something else. You man. haven't watched Sound of Metal yet, bro. Yeah, I haven't watched that yet. I haven't watched it yet. I, I will. I think I think that's 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 worth watching just because the the way that he uses facial expressions in in that movie to convey everything he does a lot of that in in Nightcrawler as well I think mm. um, it just you know he just does a good job of being appearing like somebody who wants to be liked and who is like impressionable but manipulable you know like it's just he he does a lot there because like you said he doesn't have as much dialogue to work with um, but yeah he he's a perfect you know he's a foil in a sense for um, for for Lou, so um, yeah, I mean, I thought I thought that was really good. I also was not a huge fan of the Night of Faron. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'd blame it on Riz that no, much. No, I don't. His his role kind of sucked. Yeah, like, it did. It just, yeah, yeah. In retros like in retrospect, I don't blame him for it, but it's just I remember him getting a lot of acclaim for it, and I'm like, dude, really? Come on now. <laughs> he was just overly. I think I think it was just uh, and which he didn't do in this movie at all. But just in that and uh, in other stuff that I've seen him, it's just overly, I think, dramatic and a, like aloof. I guess at the same time, I don't know. I don't know what the term is. Forget it. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Everything is very. It's basically he's always carrying tension on his face. Yeah. 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 Especially in the night. Of. Yeah. Like, and that was just so. Uh, you know. No, not really. It took me out of the process, or it took me, you know, out of the, out of like every single scene. <laughs> so I saw the process, you know. So, but it, like this movie, he doesn't do that at all. Everything's very delivered, very naturally. Yeah, I mean, he was, yeah. you know, he was, he was great. Is this his first movie? I mean, he he was in a lot of stuff before that. Yeah, the Road to Guantanamo looks like the first thing that he was in. Um, that was like yeah, full feature, oh. right? That was in 2006. I didn't see much of anything before this movie, though. I, I I've seen the Four Lions. Have you guys Have you guys seen that? Um, I have not seen it. I've heard of it. Right. So that was a 2010 film. But but yeah, like I mean, this is probably one of the first films that I mean that most people have heard of, I guess. Uh, but even that maybe not maybe not the case. Yeah, probably not until Rogue One, Star Wars. That's probably the one. Right. Most people know him, or Venom. I forgot that he was in it. Yeah, I didn't that, more recently that yeah, Venom. Oh, um, he was in Banglatown Banquet. You, you had to say the one that nobody. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Know. I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not saying what is that. <laughs> uh, had me. Bangla or Banglatown? <laughs> I don't know, dude. <laughs> it's Bang- it's Banglatown. It's not Banglatown. That's for sure. So let's talk about the visuals. I actually like the visuals a lot more than the than the music yeah. but i mean I, I waited them both i mean give it an 80 uh i mean most of this movie shot at night uh appropriately mm-hmm. called nightcrawler um i just thought the the framing the colors mm-hmm. uh as Fahad would say the tone was very very consistent it Appropriate again for it the didn't scenes. fit 
it was appropriate for the scenes. It didn't fit the music to me, but we already discussed like why the music was different. And I think Farn's explanation that it's the music is more of uh, a sense of how Lou feels rather than how what we feel or what we mm-hmm. see. So let's ignore that for now and just talk about the visuals. Um, I, again, I also mentioned the car chase scene. I thought that was one of the better car chase scenes I've seen. Yeah, uh, I just thought it was a really well shot movie yeah i really like nighttime scenes i think night photography is like almost always more beautiful to me than daytime stuff Mm. um because i just feel like the work with shadows and lighting is probably so much more tricky um, especially on like a bigger set and i'm sure a lot of it's also after effects and like you know color correction and stuff um obviously you got that tinted blue orange um feel it's a little like neon like Mm -hmm in this movie uh so it's it's very vibrant and i, I mean i like it though it's, it's visually appealing to me which, which i i figured that would be more difficult to to get that the, those vibrant looks with the the amount of of darkness um you know nighttime shots that they were using so um yeah i definitely scored it up for that it was just yeah i thought they they did a good job with you know framing shots and everything Th- this is a movie where it's kind of about cinematography <laughs> because lou's whole thing hey, is dude, like you know yeah, he actually explains exactly what framing is. I was going to say, asked me that. yeah, he said I was working on framing and, you know, I, I'm trying to not only get a focal point of the shot, but also, you know, hold that shot and hold your attention yeah, longer. Direct the viewer's eye to the subject. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm like, yeah, there you go. So, I mean, like this movie's about <laughs> cinematography in a way. They they also they had good cinematography to back that up, I thought. Um, yeah. So, like. It's just they. I think I think it was just pretty consistent in in that regard, and there wasn't a lot of moments where I was noticing, um, you know, camera angles or stuff. So like, if anything, I you know, it was kind of in the background for me, right? So like, that's a good thing where I'm not really noticing it, and I feel more like I'm in the moment most of the time. Um, I think I think the only thing, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I think the only thing is that the music may have been a little bit heavy-handed. Um, although I liked its use in most cases, but that's the only place where I I kind of had any sort of issue really um was just with that yeah and a lot of the shots in this movie are very tight too and i think it helps to you know portray that uncomfortable feeling that we get from lou because we're in the car with him close space um whenever he's talking to nina they're very close to each other uh when when he's talking to rick they're close i mean we never really get you know, wide angle shots in this movie very infrequently, maybe to just set the set the place. I think the one wide angle shot I can think of right now is is the one where he goes to the van to like cut the brake lines or whatever. Um, that one's somewhat wide because they're showing both his car and the van in one shot. But otherwise, very tightly shot. I was also going to say, I don't even know what I would call, I guess, set design or something like that. Um, There's just like what we were talking about trying to convey a lot about a character without actually giving the backstory. Just the way that like I remember Lou's apartment is set up like that conveyed so much to me early on. They give you like a, a few different shots of the different rooms and like his closet and everything. And it's so weirdly crappy, but also extremely like clean and neat and like it just it tells you so much about him like just just with that i feel like a lot of those like establishing shots that they did early on um those just have so much information in them uh, which is you know that that's i think that that goes towards the aesthetics to me so i don't know if this is aesthetics but the choice of using a charger srt was kind of weird i mean it was probably probably product placement um but i was just like dude this is like the least 
stealth car you could possibly have. Like a well, it wasn't meant to be stealth. V8. It wasn't meant to be stealth at all. It was meant to be fast, but like uh, in terms of when he's following the SUV, bro, yeah. are you kidding me? A loud V8 yeah, yeah, heavy yeah, yeah, engine yeah. from yeah, a Charger. Yeah, they they even mentioned that though, because because Rick is yeah, like, dude, yeah, they're yeah, gonna Rick see us. We're in, red red like, we have, we're in a red car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, you would think he would want something a little more stealth. Also, as it's a, it's a cop magnet, you don't want to get pulled over when you're trying to go record a scene. Yeah, I don't know. I'm being too practical here. Also, those cars. Do not have great handling, man. That you can't pull off that kind yes, of stuff. Yes, it's a real in rear a freaking, wheel drive car. Well, no, it's, real, it's not about it be a real wheel drive. It's a freaking boat. It is a boat, dude. Not just that. It's just too powerful. That's why. Like, it's too powerful to be handled well. It's a good straight line car. Yeah, but uh, anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, you know, if I had to find issue with, you could totally find issue with some things narratively in this movie. That's why it was the lowest score for me. But I mean. Whatever, dude. No movie's gonna be perfect in the narrative stuff. There's always gonna be plot holes and stuff, you know. I was sure. I, I was gonna say like as far as the music goes, I know we already talked about it, but like I, to me, that's like if we agree that that's like purposeful, like they they chose to do that to kind of rattle you. I I just think that was like just so smart, right? Like, you know, it's it's meant to I, I think what Farhan said right is obviously appropriate that like it's what Lou thinks of himself right but it's also in in the same light and thematically we were talking about how th- this is a direct parallel it's also the behavior is being exemplified and encouraged to a degree right so like the director kind of wants you to sit back and and think of how disgusting the behavior is but then also realize that like we actually promote that to a degree so like that music is yeah. is meant to make you think about that i think and so like i just i did i did think that was like so clever and the, <laughs> it just it was cracking me up at moments because that scene where um you remember there's a scene where he he gets to a car accident before the the police get there and he actually right. drags the mm-hmm, body across mm-hmm, the road mm-hmm. to get a better vantage yeah. point right the music is so uplifting in that shot. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like um it's like a sports movie like where they have you know like <laughs> one last shot to win it and they draw up a crazy play that just might work, right? Like he's holding his camera over his head and the music is swelling. <laughs> like it's just <laughs> while he's shooting this guy's like, you know, bloody body uh and you know he's he's already got blood all over his clothes. I just uh it's too much. I mean, it's it was it was hilarious and it was it was meaningful at the same time. I don't know. I just yeah, it's like one of the first. Um, well, it's not the first time we see him cross lines. Well, before that, uh, like when he when he steals the guy's watch at the very beginning, the security guards. Um, but yeah. yeah, it's it's you know he's realizing that he's gonna start crossing lines to doing this as well to get ahead. And I think maybe that's why the music is is as it is like super motivational and like uh, loud. Yeah, it's because he's achieving his dreams. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, I think um, I think we're good here. Cool. I think so. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to this production of The Twice Over. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and sharing it with a friend. Want to see what your tally is? Check out thetwiceover.com. All the movies we've done are listed there, as well as what we're watching for the current week. Follow us at The Twice Over on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where you can leave us any suggestions, feedback, or comments. And if you're about it, you can also support us on Patreon. The music you hear on this podcast is from Amerigo Gazaway. You can find his work on Bandcamp and Spotify.